thank all of y'all so much for coming to our takeover. We're really excited to get it started here in just a second with our talks. And to start off this mini-series of talks, I wanted to give us a scripture to look at and think about while we're talking through everything else. So in John chapter 14, verse 27, just to give us just something to think on through mine, Denise's, and Katie's. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor, nor be fearful. And this is Jesus talking right now. And he's talking with his closest, closest disciples. But focus on this, my peace I give you. The message wasn't meant for them alone. He's talking to all of us. Everyone who has come into their own relationship with Jesus as their Lord and Savior, he's already given this to us. But it can be so hard to see sometimes. There's so many things that get in the way of us seeing that. Constant distractions, whether it's grades, relationships, or anything else. Awful things that happen just out of nowhere. A family member, a friend, um, close friend dying, uh, a divorce, a friendship that's been there forever, but just suddenly isn't anymore. A health problem that suddenly is, or one that you wonder if it'll ever go away. And it could be our shortcomings. The guilt we feel when we fall short, the anger we feel at ourselves for not measuring up, the envy we have when others seem to easily have what we worked so hard for but can't seem to grab hold of. There's so many things. And we just wonder how to move past it all. It's, we're not even close to the point of figuring out how do we get peace in the middle of all of this. But Jesus says, clearly, my peace I give you. And there are three things that we really wanted to talk about today that God has also given us to help access that peace. And the first thing I'll be talking about is contentment. So what is contentment? And I think before I even get into trying to narrow down what that is, I want to clarify a few things it's not. Contentment is not settling. It is not giving up. You are not settling for less when you are pursuing contentment. It doesn't guarantee comfort. It doesn't mean you won't still struggle with anxiety, depression, fear, or pain through any of the hard times that any of us go through. And maybe y'all are thinking, after I just said that, well, okay, Rob, uh, peace doesn't sound, or excuse me, contentment doesn't sound very peaceful. It, what's the point of being content if all these other things are still going to happen anyway? I'm going to get there. But I just wanted to clarify for y'all just a few things about what contentment is and isn't, just so that we don't feel blindsided whenever we're trying to pursue it and the problems we're still going to face. Um, but before I get into that, I wanted to jump into a scripture written by someone who's started to figure it out. So Philippians 4, verses 11 through 13, Paul writes, Not that I speak from need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with little, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Looking again at the first verse, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in. And that acceptance is important. It's a really important part of the process, but there's an even bigger one, and that's in verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So essentially, reading it that way, the key to learning to be content in whatever circumstances I'm in is because 
I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Paul figured out the secret is that God is the defining factor as to why we can accept our circumstances and be content within them because he's there with us to guide us and strengthen us through every step. So ultimate, condensed, summary version of what contentment is, acceptance for what is, and satisfaction with what God provides and promises. Acceptance for what is and satisfaction with what God provides and promises. And I'm not going to steal Denise's thunder on the promises part. She's going to get way more into how God's promises work to bring that peace, what they are, and how they do that. But God's provision and his promises are ultimately what we can rely on and be content in. So now for the big question. How do we do it? How do we even start to accept our circumstances? How do we allow, or maybe some of us are thinking make ourselves, be satisfied in what God provides and promises? And this question can stretch in so many different directions because there's so many different ways that Satan tries to pull that contentment away from us. Um, And if y'all want more detail on that, I have a Bible study on Wednesdays at 6.30 That talks just about that. So y'all are welcome to come check it out if y'all want more details. But there are three really big pieces to the puzzle that I wanted to go over with y'all here really quick. The first one being holding on to our life loosely and knowing that our own and life as a whole's own temporary nature. James 4 verses 13 through 15 say, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. For you just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. And I'm sure all of us have, I know I do, these goals, these plans, these things that we hold on to tight. They are so important to us. They are things that we don't think we can do without. And it can be devastating when they don't work out, when that we fall short of whatever goal, whatever plan we had set out for us. And that's why it is so important to hold them loosely enough to let God work, to remember that life is temporary, to know that God's plans may be extremely different from what we had in mind, but to trust that they are better than anything we could have ever thought of. And there's a promise there, but I'm not going to spoil it because Denise is going to hit that home. But um, long story short, we can trust this. We know that God is there for us. Um, Second point, piece to the puzzle, calling to mind often what God has already provided and trusting he will continue to. Because he promises to. And I will spoil this promise. In Romans 8.32, he says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? God promises to take care of us in the ways that we need. But the big scripture I wanted to talk through was Philippians 4, verses 6 through 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and pleading with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, pure, lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence in anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And there's that peace again. 
again, being found in Jesus, and specifically here being found by focusing on the good he's done for us, praising him for what he has done and what we can trust he'll continue to do. And then, to me, one of the biggest parts is realizing what God is giving us in Jesus is the very best. In Philippians 3, verses 7 through 8, But whatever things were gained to me, and this is Paul speaking, by the way, these things I have counted as loss because of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them mere rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. We already have that most valuable, that most important thing in Jesus. And it can be so easy to forget that. We have so many things flying in the face of that that we think are so important. And that may be really important, but it makes us forget that we already have the best in Jesus. And that's so important to cling on to, that Jesus is the best thing we ever could be given. And God already gave that. And all three of these things are super important in letting that contentment sink in to our hearts and producing that peace. It's so, so big. But what do we do when it's not enough? Because we've all been there, or if we haven't, we will be someday, to where we are doing all these things. We are connecting to God. We are calling to mind the things he's done and doing our best to trust what's going to happen next. We are focused on Jesus, but we just can't find that peace. I know there have definitely been times in my life where that's been true, and I'm sure for several of y'all, that's already happened. So I wanted to look at an example on the extreme end of the spectrum with Jesus specifically, who was practicing this contentment in a big way, but was still so far away from peace. In Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 41, and he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Looking back again, being in agony enough to sweat blood. That is not at peace. Like, that isn't even remotely close to being at peace. But there's another part to it. Not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. And that really reflects back to the scripture we read earlier in Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Even Jesus needed that strengthening. We definitely all need that strengthening, that strengthening if Jesus did. And God is going to be able and will empower us, just like he did Jesus, to accept where we are, accept how it is, and be satisfied in what he provides and promises. But wait a minute. Y'all might be thinking like, okay, so Jesus is content. That's great, but he's not at peace. Like, where does the peace come in? This is what you were talking about, right? So I want us to get an idea on that if we jump over, <clears throat> excuse me, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 17. And this is a Paul writing again to a church. We never give up. Our bodies are gradually dying, but we ourselves are being made stronger each day. These little troubles are getting us ready for an eternal glory 
that will make all our troubles seem like nothing. Verse 17 again. These little troubles make, are getting ready for us an eternal glory that will make all our troubles seem like nothing. And for us, this eternal glory is essentially referring to our salvation, our home, our renewed relationship with God. But these little troubles is referring to Jesus's too, which is crazy. Like after all, like just the stress and the anxiety and the pain that he was going through to the point that he was sweating blood, but it's nothing compared to what he was doing and why. And he's not doing it for his own salvation. He's not doing it for an eternal home in heaven. He left heaven for our sakes. He is doing it for us, for our salvation, for our renewed relationship with God, for our home in heaven with him, for our peace. The peace that he's working towards for himself is the peace he's going to feel later on knowing that he's done his part, his father's will to provide us the way to that restored relationship with God. And he's fully content with that process, no matter how hard it is, if that's the way it has to be. Because for him, it's worth it. It's worth it because he loves us that much. And looking back at the part of the beginning scripture I gave, John 14, verse 27, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. True contentment, acceptance for what is, and satisfaction with what God provides and promises is going to give you the peace that's going to last. Peace that's going to be there at the end, other end of the tunnel of any trial we could ever go through, and it may not come immediately. It definitely didn't for Jesus. But you can know it's going to be there. You can know it's going to be worth it because Jesus is giving it to us. And if Jesus was willing to suffer that much to give us our salvation, our home in heaven, that restored relationship, he's certainly not going to hold out on anything else that he's promised us. And that includes that peace. So, again, Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? And that's what we can hold on to and... That's what we can be content in. So, if y'all would, let's pray, and then we'll have another set of worship. Hey, God, thank you for this time that we could just be thankful for your help in obtaining that peace through contentedness. Help us to accept the circumstances we're in and to trust that you are going to provide and for us, and fulfill the promises you've given us. Thank you for Jesus, for all that you do. Help us to be content. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so, if you didn't know, my name is Denise. Um, or my name is Denise, not was. Um, okay, um, I'm one of your graduate assistants, and I am super glad that you are here. Um, and so, in my section of tonight's talk, I am going to briefly talk about God's promises and how they can lead us to peace. Um, so, my first thought was like, yeah, I'm going to give like a million scriptures about God's promises. Y'all are going to remember all of them, right? And then you're going to use them when you're like going through stuff. And then I was like, well, actually, we're going to hear promises, and they're going to be good, but I wanted to share something that I learned that will kind of get us in the mindset of looking for God 
in the middle of our situations. Um, so I was watching a sermon a while back, um, and it's called Peace Under Pressure. Um, and the speaker made this key point that I think we sometimes don't realize or often forget. Um, and so it was like, he was like, to us, peace looks like this. You know, it's like calm, it's serenity, it's stillness, it's quiet, it's peaceful, obviously, because it's peace. Um, anyways, and then, or like this, you know, just the morning, early, quiet, the birds chirping, feet in the sand, all the things. Um, and to us, peace can also be like the absence of problems. It's our stressful situations no longer being stressful. It's the person who like frustrates us no longer being around to frustrate us or no longer being around to bother us, whether they change classes or they're gone, they got a new job, whatever. Um, it's all the small things, and this one is really me. Um, all the small things coming together to be this big thing, just not being a thing at all. Like, just don't exist. Um, but then he showed this image. Um, and to some people, this can be peaceful. Um, a nice storm, you're safe inside, you got your blanket, your tea, you know, your music, you're vibing. Um, and if you're like Donnie, Donnie loves the rain. Um, you can often find Donnie out on the porch doing his work on the porch when it's raining. Um, and he, it's just a symbol of like newness and fresh start and all the things. And then there's some people who look at this image and it's like, that's the last thing they think. Um, all in all, this is a storm. Um, the water is raging. I don't know if you can see, but there's lightning in the background. Um, and while like, I personally would be okay watching this from like a porch of like safety, I wouldn't want to be in it. And hopefully that's something you also can agree with. Um, but if you look closely, there's this small little bud right there. Um, and he is like pretty much in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the waterfall. Um, and I think um, this is the piece that the Bible um, references more often than not. Um, it's not that the little things around us don't bother us anymore or that they aren't loud or distracting or scary. I mean, we're human. Things scare us. We get hurt. Um, we don't know everything. And if you do know everything, you should let me know because I don't know everything and I would love to know everything. Just kidding. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but that bird, <clears throat> that bird is, was in that storm. Things are crashing around it. You know, I'm sure there's a tree flying at some point, lightning, all the things. And I'm also sure they didn't wake up and was like, yeah, the goal for today Let's go play in lightning. You know, that's, that's what I want to do today. Um, but to get to the point of the image and everything, um, I believe this image can show us how we can have peace in the middle of our storms. Um, it is that we have a God who promises to be through all of that. Um, so we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to make it work or figure out how it's going to work or how we're going to get through it. Um, Deuteronomy 31.8 says, Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will never fail you, nor will he abandon you. Um, so I'm not saying that every time you ask for peace or receive patience, no, that's not. I'm not, asking, I'm not saying that every time you ask for peace or receive peace, um, expect it to be in like the middle of a storm or middle of a trial. I'm just saying opening your mind to realize that sometimes it can be. Um, so on to promises. Um, I like this definition that a theologian from the late 1800s used. His name is W.E. Vine. Um, and this is what he used to describe a promise from God. He states a promise is a gift graciously bestowed, not a pledge secured by negotiation. A few big words, so I'm going to say it again. Um, a gift graciously bestowed, not a pledge secured by negotiation. Um, so we all may have some definition of what gracious means, um, it's courteous, kindly. Um, and then there's the word bestowed, which means to present or give. Um, so we have a gift that is kindly presented or given, not a promise obtained by discussion or argument. So you don't have to fight for God's promises, they're yours. 
Um, they're like gifts. Um, you take them, you look into them, you make use of what they are, and you don't have to work to earn God's gift. And I will say that again. You do not have to work to earn God's gift. Um, so I can talk about God's peace forever. Maybe not forever, but I can talk about it a little longer. Um, but let's take a look at what scripture says. Um, so here are some promises that um, God makes us in the scriptures they can be found in. Um, the first one is 1 Peter 5, 7. Um, Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. Um, another one is Isaiah 41, 10. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. Do not be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Um, and then there's also Isaiah um, 54, um, verse 10, um, that says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion for you. Um, there's another one. This is the Jeremiah 29, 11 that Rob said I would get into. Um, and so for a little bit of context for this scripture, um, this is when the people of Israel were in Babylonian um, exile. Um, it was one of the darkest times in history um, of the Jewish people, Jewish people. And in the midst of that, God is saying he has good plans for them. Um, Jeremiah 21, 11, 29, verse 11 reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. This can be your peace in the middle of your storms, to just remember that God has plans to flourish you. Um, and then there is John 16, 30, verse 33, um, and this is the one that I shall end with. Um, it reads, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. This is Jesus literally telling us how things are. Like when I read this, my brain says, yeah, Jesus says life's going to suck sometimes, but he has overcome the world. Um, and so you can have peace in the hard times knowing that like, you may not think you can get through it, but Jesus already has. Um, and if you didn't know this, um, Jesus is telling them this on the same night that he would be arrested. So he is our example of peace. Like, I don't know about y'all, if I was about to get arrested, the last thing I would be is peaceful. Um, and so uh, I, I, share with I share that with y'all to say, uh, follow Jesus as our example. Um, don't be like me, obviously. Um, and yeah, let's be like Jesus. Um, <laughs> And so you can always look back at these when you need a reminder of peace, um, that the peace God has already gifted to you. And I'll be happy to share those scriptures, scriptures again if you'd like. Um, but we're going to go into another time of worship, and we're going to sing the song called Take a Moment. Um, it's not a new song to CCF or anything, um, but I want to take time to reflect on the words uh, before we go into it. Um, in the course, the words talk about how Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is so light. Um, and this is a reference to Matthew 11:28, 28, um, where it says the exact same line in scripture. Um, the yoke mentioned symbolizes the freedom that Jesus promised, promised us. Um, Jesus offers to take our loads, our weights, our burdens, our stress, and he offers to carry them for us. And, and we all have different burdens. We all have different weights, all different struggles. Um, but Jesus wants to take those loads off our hands and basically give us rest and peace. Um, and so I'm going to invite the band to arise and get ready for, to play this song. Um, and I invite you to worship however that looks for you, whether that's reflecting over the words, singing them, sitting them, st singing them, sitting or standing. Um, and yeah, so let's worship together, guys. Hello. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Katie, and I'm one of the MAs this year, and I'm very excited to do that. I have loved working with uh, Rob, Denise, and Brenton. So tonight I'll be wrapping up our topic about peace. Rob talked about contentment, Denise talked about God's promises, 
and I'm going to talk about community now. So, what is a community to you guys? <laughs> yes, so community is defined as a body of individuals with common interests. And uh, my next sentence was, I hope everyone can see CCF as one of their communities, or if just a community in general. A community is a safe place to go to find friends and a place where you can feel that peace. Days can be hard, and the truth is, there will be very hard days, ones that can be tough. And it can be really hard to find peace during that time. That is okay, though. During that time, it can be so nice to have a community, and that is why coming to some place like CCF can be so good, just anywhere in general where you can find a community, and specifically a Christian community, because those can be just so helpful in general. Where you can find a place such as Romans 1.12 puts into perspective, you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faiths. So I want you to hear, be able to come to here to CCF and just feel that. So for those of you who do not know me, I have epilepsy. I've had it for almost 10 years now and it has caused me to struggle in so many ways. It's just caused stress in my life. It's just made me just so upset and everything. It's been literally the biggest struggle I've ever had to deal with. And I just had moments when I did not think it was possible to find peace at all and I still at times do struggle for this. So when I was a freshman in high school, I started a new school. It was a K to 12 school, so everybody knew everyone already and I knew nobody. My parents wanted me to go there because my brother was a senior there and they wanted me to try it. They also wanted us to have like one last school year together before he graduated and it was hard being one of those new people though because like I said, everybody already knew everyone. They had their friend groups prior and I went in there and I'm an introvert and for a long time I had no friends. And then May came along or for February came along and my parents were like, if you are still feeling this way during May, you can go back to where you would have gone to school. And I was like, oh, 100%. That is exactly what I wanted. I wanted to get away from these people because they just were not very welcoming, I felt like at times. So March came around, and on March 1st, I had my first seizure and went into the hospital. It was an extremely scary period because I'm the only one in my family to have epilepsy, and the doctors at first did not know what this was. They had many scary ideas of what it could be, so my entire family was scared. Though, my community at the school actually came around so much during that. They sent me flowers to the hospital that said, we are praying for you from your Mount Perrin family. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. And during my time there, some of the girls came and visited me while I was in the hospital, and they touched me emotionally in so many ways. They told me about how they were praying for me and thinking about me and just how much that they were hoping I'd be back soon. And it just made me happy and valid within, feel valid within that school community. And I did say, I, know, I knew then that I cho- had chosen the right school and I ended up, ended up graduating from there, which at first I could have never imagined. I literally did not like it at first. And to this day, I still have many friends from that school, but they are so much more than friends now and they truly did become family. Though when I came here to UGA, I felt kind of like repetitive. I started at GCSU and then I transferred here. And like I said earlier, I am an introvert and I found it so hard to make friends. I lived with my childhood best friend here and she was basically my only friend. And yeah, so I was invited to CCF a few times when like when I first came to UGA and I came with my friend Kate and then eventually Kate was feeling like her home in a different church. And she told me that and I was like, I'm never going back, I guess. So (laughs) that is the truth. I kind of appeared here and there, but 
overall, I did not come very often. So February hit um, in 2020. So my health was decreased again. I was like one year or one week away from being six years seizure free. And one day I was not feeling good and I went to class and in class I ended up having one. And this was just one of the hardest things I had to deal with in life because it made me feel like, where's God? And at times I just, I felt no peace because this is also around COVID and my health was like so bad. I just kept having seizures and it got to the point where they were like out of control. And it made my faith really fall apart because I just, like I said, I couldn't find God all this. It was really hard to be happy in general. And yeah, so eventually I did come back to UGA at, in fall 2021 and I somehow returned to CCF. I was in the group me. So like I said, I'd pop in here and there and somehow I got convinced in joining crash group. And I really enjoyed that because I did make some really good friends from there. And I also joined my Christian sorority SAO. And these two places were just so incredible because it helped me change during these hard times. And they helped me see the brighter perspective of everything. And they were there. They were people who walked beside me during these hard times. And they spread love unto me. And as I was having hard days, they both helped me a little because they just helped me find that little bit of peace in each day. So during, Denise just mentioned a little bit earlier the, the verse, First Peter 5, 7, and that is truly one of my bi favorite Bible verses. In high school, um, my freshman year, I was in a Spanish class, and for one of our projects, you had to talk about the, the day in Spanish, and you had to present your favorite Bible verse. I was so lazy, and I went online and looked up random Bible verses, and I was like, ah, this one. I was like, I went to Google Translate it, translated it, and then on class, I was like, this is my favorite Bible verse. <laughs> and I had no idea what it was until I had found it in the online. But I can tell you now that is truly one of my favorite Bible verses because, it, like again, it says, cast all your anxiety on him for he cares for you because it helped me during these hard times to know that even though you're going to be struggling some, that he is always there for you. Community is a place to find peace. And a peace is, like Denise said, is a peace exists even in the middle of the storms because we will all go through storms in our life. And it will be difficult. And there will be sometimes just feels like the storm can't be calmed, but there is always just a little bit of peace of it. So community can help guide you to that peace. Community is a place to go where we can walk along beside each other and mature in our faith. Psalms 133.1 says, How good and pleasant is it when, when brothers dwell in a community. I am so thankful for the troubles I have gone through, honestly, because it has helped me. And it's just helped me grow my faith and know that, like I said, there will be hard days. But at the end of the day, you can always find a bit of peace in the day, especially if you have community. So let's pray as we go into our final round of worship. Um, God, thank you for tonight, and thank you for bringing all these people here just to learn so much more about you and learn about peace in the world and through community and everything else we've talked about tonight. So I just pray that we just have one good round, final round of worship. That's great. Amen.